Morning, everybody. This week I had um, a bit of a cold, just a little sore throat, nothing major, but was pleasantly surprised that um, my particular closest um, COVID testing site, um, the queue was not as long as I anticipated, which was great. And so I was able to get my test results, which was negative and, and very quickly too. So um, even though it's just a cold, um, yeah, we live in a time where we have to do those things. And so <clears throat> I'm grateful that for the most part, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Now, last week, um, we began looking at the story of the paraplegic who had suffered for 38 years and was healed by Jesus at the, by the pool of Bethesda. And we explored how, um, after being disappointed by false promises for so long, he had lost hope. And so it's with great meaning that Jesus had asked him that question, do you want to be made whole? Because the truth is, sometimes we like where we are, even though it's not where we want to be. You know, we stay with that mirage of the shimmer and shine of what the world promises, even though it actually never delivers. And it's so easy to just stay in a place knowing that it's not going to bring you any real lasting change or happiness. Um, but we find ourselves still staying there because change is difficult. And sometimes we have trouble believing in the possibility of healing and wholeness. So we just give up. It's very easy to lose hope, especially when you've been suffering for a very long time and your situation doesn't seem to get better. The paraplegic had to wait 38 years for his healing. And if you if you look at the story and you think about it, there were other people who were at that pool who were sick and they didn't get their healing that day. And there are people, thousands and millions of people around the world today who are sick of, and dying from COVID and from other diseases and other um, reasons around the world. And, and, and that question then remains for us, you know, why, what about them? Why hasn't God healed them? And what about us when we're going through incredible challenges, whether they're physical or emotional or financial or, or relational, why doesn't God answer all of our prayers for healing and peace and stability? Why is there so much suffering in the world? And where is God? You know, this cry is so important. This question is so important. And if ever, if you've ever wondered this or, 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 or felt that cry in your heart, then you are not alone. In fact, even Jesus on the cross cried out that question of God, where are you now? And if you read through the books of the Bible, you hear that cry uh, echo through. <laughs> so I'm going to turn off my watch notification. Um, you hear that cry echo throughout the Bible, that cry of God, where are you in my suffering? Where are you in the injustice? And it's so important not to ignore that cry because it is that cry that's going to actually bring us to God. And it's that cry that's actually going to give us the answers that we need. And so, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I shouldn't feel that way or I shouldn't, I shouldn't doubt God, but go ahead and, and, and feel everything that you feel. And, and, um, I want to really affirm today and next week, cause I'm going to be doing part three next week, um, that, that real need to cry out and seek God, because it's when we seek God, the Bible says that we find him. And even though we're going to be looking at some of the answers today and next week, I will just go ahead and say today that um, there is no way I can answer fully this question of why God allows suffering. And even though I can provide some 
some um, you know clues and and some answers that the Bible provides to give us perspective on suffering. I can never specifically answer questions of well, why not this person? And how come this person that I love has 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 died, or how come I'm going through this very specific thing? I I cannot answer those questions, and I, and I acknowledge acknowledge that it's frustrating. But the Bible does say that one day we will get to see God face to face, and He is the only one who can truly answer these questions. And I look forward to that day when we can actually sit down with Jesus and and go through our lives in in great microscopic detail, and and see um, and hear the answers. Um, and really be able to see behind the scenes what was happening. And of course, the bigger picture of what God was trying to do. But for today and for next week, I want to, in addition to affirming the validity of these questions on suffering, um, yeah, look at, look at some ideas that the Bible presents, these kind of big question ideas. Um, and it is a big picture idea. And um, I wanted to, to kind of do it today and next week because it's quite a big, heavy topic. And I recognize that, yeah, it's something that, that is heavy um, and, and perhaps even difficult and challenging for us. So if you could just bow your heads with me one more time as, as we pray together. Dear God, some of us are really suffering right now. I mean, we're all suffering in various degrees, but Father, the talk today, um, I want to first of all just admit that it's it's a question that is beyond even even um, what I'm attempting to do today, and I recognize that. But Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, that you would draw near to us, that in our suffering and in our questioning, and in our in our searching, we will find a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who has our best interest at heart, and a God who is going to make things whole. And make us whole. And I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would um, fill us, even if not with clarity and, and understanding, at least fill us, Father, with that sense of your presence. Um, and, and give us, Father, enough perspective, enough vision to be able to trust in you. I pray in your son's name. Amen. One of the problems of pain is that we don't like it. We don't like pain, right? We try to avoid it almost at all costs. We try to avoid pain because there is something, um, this idea that we have inherited. Uh, and of course, you know, it, it, it's understandable. This idea that, that pain is, is, is the worst enemy. But I want to, I want to suggest something today. And that, and that suggestion is that pain can actually be good, even essential. For example, Pain alerts us when something is dangerous. When we touch something sharp, right, and we feel pain, we know we should not go any further, right? We should immediately you know, put our hand back. If we're, if we're cutting something with our knives and we start to feel pain, we know not to, you know, cut further. We know that our finger has been caught, right? So pain actually alerts us to danger and is there as alarm bell saying, stop. Pain can be a great teacher, it teaches us that the natural laws of gravity and force need to be obeyed, right? Um, I, I'm very klutzy and, um, and clumsy. And so I have all these bruises from like knocking into corners and, and um, you know, trying to go down the stairs too fast. And well, the laws of gravity and force are there to remind me through pain, I need to slow down. I need to be more careful. I need to watch where I'm going. So pain can be a great teacher and, and can, can be that great alarm bell telling us to stop. 
Pain can also help us identify a deeper issue. If your head hurts, and this week because of my cold, my head was hurting so much on Thursday. And, um, you know, if I had just taken some painkillers and made the pain go away, yes, it makes the pain go away, but then it, it wouldn't have addressed the real issue, which is that I was probably dehydrated. I have a virus, you know, cold virus, um, and I need to rest, etc. And so pain is your body's way of saying, hey, something is wrong here. And it's not the pain that's the root issue. There's something deeper happening and you need to check it out, right? You need to go to the doctor or you need to go to the chemist. You need to address the issue. So the first idea that I want to present is that the pain is not the ultimate enemy. Our goal in life should not be to avoid suffering, but to understand how to respond to it. Is the suffering making us pause and consider the path we're on? Is the suffering making us... Um, Realize that there's natural laws of cause and effect that we need to understand. Or is the pain perhaps telling us that something is wrong? There's something deeply, rootedly wrong in the world. And the Bible actually confirms this. The Bible says that God created a, a world of beauty and order and harmony and peace. But then something went horribly wrong. It says that one day, one of the angels questioned God's government, his justice, his character. And you can read more about it in Isaiah chapter 14. And that angel became known as Satan, which in Hebrew means the accuser. Because Satan accused God of, it, of being unfair and of his laws being just too limiting. He was saying that God was arbitrary, restrictive, limiting his creation from doing whatever they wanted. And he was saying, hey, we would all just be happier if we got to do whatever we wanted. And that was the lie that the first humans bought into. If you look in Genesis chapter 3, it, it narrates the story of how the first humans were told this lie. Hey, did God say you couldn't do this? Nah, if you do it, it's actually going to be better for you, right? You're actually going to be, um, you know, fulfilling your true purpose and you'll be happier, etc. And they bought into that lie. And it's the lie that we all buy into time and time again, right? That lie that following our own inclinations and desires is actually going to make us happier than following God's principles of humility and love and service and sacrifice. And this lie of, of, you know, just do what you want and, you know, what feels right. Um, this lie is, is actually at the root, at the heart of a lot of the suffering that happens in this world. For example, God gets blamed for natural disasters, but if you look at the real issue, it's human activity that's the main force behind nature going bonkers. Right? The use of fossil fuels, deforestation, intensified agricultural practices, pollution, all these things are contributing to the destruction of nature, which then becomes destructive and self-destructive. Our individual and collective pride, um, greed, envy have caused immeasurable pain and suffering for communities and ecosystems leading to, you know, wars and conflict and prejudice and discrimination and injustice and if you think about it, a lot of the suffering in the world is a result of that root issue of humanity buying into that lie that we will be happier if we do what we want instead of following God's principles. 
The truth is, God gives us incredible freedom, and that freedom leads to spectacular achievements like flying to the moon and music and art and technology. But also, that freedom can also had and has in the past led to devastating actions of genocide and slavery and exploitation. Freedom means risk because not everybody chooses well. You know, a few days ago, Micah said, "If I were in charge of the world, I would watch TV and eat ice cream." And、um, you know, we we smiled, and then this was at dinner time, and so we asked him, "All right." How much TV would you watch? Oh, I would watch all day. How much ice cream? Oh, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner—just ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. And so then we said, okay, how much? How many days? You know, at what point will you finally be happy? At what point will it finally be enough ice cream and enough TV? And we talked about what would happen after two days, five days of doing that. And Micah knows, you know. The the indoctrination that we have given him over the years, and so he said, "Oh yeah, I would get sick." He said, "My brain will hurt," and and he kind finally came to the conclusion that eating ice cream and watching TV all the time is not actually going to is not actually going to make him happy. It's not actually going to make him、um, give him that meaning and, and satisfaction that he's looking for. The truth is that God's principles of love, right, humility, sacrifice, and service, are challenging. Right, His principles of of forgiving our enemies and doing good to those who hurt us. His principles of of don't cheat, don't lie, don't don't、um, steal.、Right? Do good to those、uh, who are your neighbor, and who is your neighbor? Well, everybody around you, right. His principles of keeping the Sabbath day holy,、um, his principles of of treating each other the way that we want to be treated—all these are difficult and challenging, but ultimately empower us to have better relationships, healthier minds and bodies, greater joy and peace. Throughout the ages, God has been trying to show us that His way is the better way—to trust Him and His Word, and not just our own senses, our own standards. Or the standards of others that are not based on His word, and so then we have this constant conflict between what God says and what we want because of the lies and the deception that Satan and his lies have have、um, created over the years, right? And and the paraplegic who was by the pool of Bethesda. Had had also been there because of the lie. Hey, this pool is going to make you well, right? If you just can get there first, when the when the water you know shakes a little bit and stirs mysteriously, and you make sure that you are the first one in, you will be whole. And and because of that lie, all those sick people were lying there, and it was not making him well, right? For years he had been there, disappointed. And actually, worse off because every time he tried to get in, others would push him out of the way, trample over him, and he would get more hurt. And so, throughout the ages, there is this conflict between trusting in what、uh, what the lies and the and, and and the values and the and the, and the deception that the world provides of what will actually make us whole and happy versus what God is saying will make us whole and happy. And so, we have these two dichotomies, and the question remains. Do you want to be made whole? Who will you follow, and who will you believe? The day that Jesus healed the man by the pool of Bethesda was the Sabbath day, 
a perfect way to illustrate the freedom and the healing God wanted、um, for everyone on His on His Sabbath day. But the religious leaders were unhappy because Jesus had asked the man; He specifically had said, "Get up, take up your mat, and walk." And although the Sabbath in the Bible has a few principles,、um, mostly related to to rest and work, etc., over the years the religious leaders had come up with thirty nine categories of what not to do on the Sabbath. Very detailed, hundreds of laws, and one of those was that you couldn't pick up a mat, and so this violated one of their traditions. And so, rather than being amazed at this miracle of healing, they condemned both the man and his healer for that one exercise of picking up his mat. And so, you can see the story as it continues in John chapter five. And so, the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed. It is the Sabbath, the law that is their law, not the law of God, forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, "The man who made me well said to me, 'Pick up your mat and walk.'" So they asked him, "Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk?" And and that's that's the question, right? That we ask ourselves and that we get asked, "Who is this fellow?" Right? And 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 we go from. Having experienced something amazing with God, to the next moment where we're wondering, well, who is this person? Right? Who is this God? Who is this fellow? And and we 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 tend to look when we look at our lives, rather than the the miracles and the blessing, we tend to look at the things we cannot explain, at the things that、um, that conflict with the values and and the traditions and the customs of this world. And so this man has to decide for himself. Yeah, who is this man, and what kind of authority am I going to, am I going to give this man? He healed me, but is that it? And and is this man also going to give Jesus authority over his heart? It's interesting because the story continues to say that later Jesus found him at the temple. So Jesus purposely, purposely, intentionally comes and finds this man, and he says to him, "See, you are well again." Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. When I read this passage, it's very interesting. <clears throat> Jesus is not saying that suffering is a result of our sins, and he makes this very clear in other passages. Where,、um, for example, in John chapter nine, there's a blind man, and the disciples. Um, asked a question that was very common in that day. Hey, is this man blind because of his sins or his parents' sins? Because the prevalent thought was, hey, if something bad is happening, happening,、uh, you must be getting punished. God must be punishing you. And and Jesus very clearly says, hey, no, that's the wrong question, and that's that's incorrect, right? And and he repeats this in other places in the Bible where he says, "Hey, suffering is not the result of sin." The whole book of Job deals with that idea, right? The suffering is not the result of sin. Suffering is a result of other things. But、um, and so Jesus is not saying to this paraplegic, "Oh, you know, you you suffer for thirty eight years because of your sins." That's not necessarily what Jesus is saying. But what Jesus is saying is, "Stop sinning, or something worse than what you have suffered is going to happen." And that's. 
to me very interesting because I think to myself, man, 38 years, right? We talked last week about how for 38 years he couldn't walk. He, he, he had, he had, he was dependent on someone to help him to go shower or, or go to the toilet or, or to eat, etc. 38 years of just incredible, I'm sure pain physically, emotionally, socially, every, every way. What could be worse than that? And Jesus here is making this big claim. He's, he's saying, Hey, there is something worse than physical suffering. There is something worse than, you know, financial hardship. And he's saying that something is the result of continual sin. Jesus says, if you keep sinning, there's something worse that's coming. And he, and he goes on to elaborate what this means for us. Um, in, in, in the book of John. So if you go to John chapter five, uh, five, 24 and onwards, Jesus is now speaking to the religious leaders who, um, were very unhappy about Jesus healing this man on the Sabbath. And he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus is making it very plain while he's talking with the religious leaders. Hey, you think, you think that me breaking your tradition is the worst thing that, that has happened today, right? And, and, and also he's, he's making it clear to the man who had been healed. Do you think that having been sick for 38 years is the worst thing that could happen to you? But Jesus says, Hey, actually there's something worse than all of those things. And it's continual sin because at the end of time, when you, when you refuse to believe in me, right? And you refuse to look to me as the source of your healing, then the end is death. But if you look to me and live, Jesus says, if you believe my words, right? If you hear my words and believe them and accept the truth that I have for you and live by them, he says, you have crossed from death to life. And even if we died here on earth, he says, there's a time coming when all those in their grave will hear his voice and will be resurrected to eternal life. You know, the things that we want in this life whether it's physical healing or financial stability or, you know, relational wholeness, whatever it may be, these are all good things. And these are all things that God wants for us. But the most important healing that God desires for us is the healing of our hearts and minds, the healing from the lies that Satan and the world has given us for so many years. And to be, to accept and believe in the words of God, that he is trustworthy, that his way and his will and his kingdom principles are the best for us and for this world. And it's that choice that we have today and every day. The truth is that we don't have a choice in a lot of things in life, right? We don't have a choice in how long this lockdown lasts. We don't have a choice in the fact that there's a pandemic. We don't have a choice in the fact that we might be sick, right? No fault of our own. We might have a health condition that we're really struggling with. We might not have a choice in, in the kind of um, economic situation we find ourselves. But there is something that we have a choice in. And that choice is whether we want to be whole in our souls. Whether we want to be whole in our relationship with God. Whether we, have a, whether we want to be whole in our relationship with others. 
in our relationship with our community, our church, our environment, our work, and even with ourselves. We have a choice in who we become and whether we contribute to the suffering in the world or whether we contribute to its healing. And that choice is going to make all the difference. In 2018, two individuals share the Nobel Peace Prize for their work to end sexual violence against women, Nadia Murad and Dennis McGuedji. Miss, uh, well, Nadia Murad, I think she might be married by now, but um, I know she was engaged, um, so possibly her name has changed. I'm not sure, but Nadia um, is an Iraqi survivor of sexual violence and an activist for human trafficking. And Dr. Dennis McQuiggy is a Congolese gynecologist and surgeon who has treated thousands of victims of sexual violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And in an interview, um, Dr. McQuiggy, you know, he 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 de ex describes the horrific details of of um, the sexual violence that these women, thousands of women, right, um, go through, and how he, you know, has has treated them and helped them. And, and in an interview, you know, someone asks, as they always do, and he says, inevitably, they always ask, how can you believe in a God in the midst of all the suffering that you witness? And this is what he says, uh, has said. He says, <clears throat> I still believe in God because God is not the source of the suffering. And he goes on to say, we are not here for our own pleasure and happiness. No, you have a mission. You are here for others. You are here to give testimony of a God who is in you. As long as our faith is, faith is defined by theory and not connected with practical realities, we shall not be able to fulfill the mission entrusted to us by Christ. If we are Christ's, we have no choice but to be alongside the weak, the wounded, the refugees, and the women suffering discrimination. And he says, hey, suffering is the result of selfish human choices, right? He, he sees the, the evil actions done by the people who perpetrate the violence and the injustice. And he says, it's their choices. But the role that we have as Christians, he says, is to be the salt, to be there alongside the suffering and to bring healing, to provide comfort um, and to actually make a difference. We are called by God to join him in offering hope and healing to the suffering by being a listening ear to those who are suffering, by being their advocate, by sharing what we have and giving of ourselves. And we do that with the recognition that we ourselves are wounded healers. You know, Dr. Mukaji and his family, they live in constant threat of assassination attempts. In fact, they almost were killed um, in one, one attempt. And they get death threats every single day for what they stand for and what they do. Suffering comes sometimes when we are doing the right thing because there is always going to be forces in this world. The Bible says that we live in a battleground and there are spiritual forces at play that are against us. And so he understands and the family understand that in this conflict between good and evil, there are casualties. And victory requires sacrifice and healing involves pain. There's a verse, there's many verses in the Bible that talk about this. Um, but there's one that says in verse, first Peter chapter two, verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
and, and throughout the scriptures as, as the first followers of Jesus faced incredible persecution in the first century where they were being, you know, literally thrown into the Colosseum to fight animals and, and lions and gladiators and each other and, um, and were imprisoned and beaten and stoned and killed as they had to go through all of this. They understood that suffering sometimes is, is the consequence of living in a world that is, uh, there are some who are against you, right? Suffering comes because you're doing the right thing. C.S. Lewis, um, the British writer who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And he says, he wrote this that I found, um, very poignant. He says, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor uh, carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what makes us perfect. And Paul kind of echoes this sentiment um, in Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And... I think, once again, I reiterate, I think we live our lives with the wrong purpose sometimes. You know, like I said in the beginning, sometimes we live to avoid suffering, to avoid pain. But the Bible offers us this perspective. First of all, that sometimes pain is there to give us those alarm bells. Hey, danger, stop, right? Stop in where you are where you're going because there's danger here so pain can be helpful in 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 helping us recognize uh, when we need to stop one course of action and and a certain path and turn the other way and and suffering and pain um are sometimes there because of the natural consequences of of cause and effect right the natural laws of gravity the natural laws of physics um those natural laws exist in this world and sometimes that pain is there to let us know, hey, there's something deeply wrong with this world, right? That pain is the symptom of a deep issue. And that issue is that this world is a sinful world. And humanity, uh, so many of us, you know, despite our best efforts, hurt one another. And sometimes it's small things. Sometimes it's, it's things that have leave catastrophic effects for generations, right? And so we live in a world where we need a plan. We need something to, 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 to get rid of that root issue of the sin problem. And that's what I'm going to focus on next week is what is, what has God done? What is God doing? And what is God, what is God going to do about that root issue of sin in the world, in the universe? And how is he going to treat that? And how has he, uh, what has he provided to us so that we can get rid of that root issue? But that suffering is there to, to let us know Hey, we need that. We need that wholeness ourselves. That suffering is there to make us want healing, right? That when Jesus says to us, do you want to be made whole, right? If we, if we're all fine, if we don't need healing, our answer would be, no, I'm fine. But that suffering is there so that 
when 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 we recognize the pain, maybe not in ourselves, but in others and what they're going through, and God says, "Hey, do you want to be made whole?" That suffering is there so that we do want it, and we say, "Yeah, I want to be made whole. I want this world to be made whole. There's something wrong here, God." And and those questions bring us to God so that God can then tell us, "Yeah, I I I I know there's a problem, and guess what? I have a solution, and I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be part of the blessing and the healing." By trusting in me and joining me in 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 letting others know that they've bought into that lie for so long, right? The lie that you know whatever we want is going to make us happy, but rather instead help me in sharing the good news that following God's principles as laid out in His Word, right, of service and love. And sacrifice and humility—that that is actually the pathway to peace. That's the path pathway to true happiness and meaning and satisfaction, and ultimately the healing of the nations. And so, the suffering is there in the world. We cannot deny it, but we can choose how we respond to it, and we can choose whether we determine the healing of our souls and ultimately the healing of the world. And so. As you experience suffering in your own lives, and as you witness the suffering in the world, yes, go ahead and cry out, but also ask God, God, how can I participate in Your plan of healing? How can I be a blessing to those who are suffering? How can I sit beside them and be one with them, as God was one with us? And I pray that as we, um. Rather than running away from the suffering, actually go to the suffering, and and be there with the suffering. That we will understand and desire God's plan of wholeness for us. And next week, I'll I'll explain more what God's plan of wholeness actually is in the grand scheme, in the big picture of the timeline of what He's working towards. And I pray that in the meantime. As you wrestle with these questions, you will find that God does draw near to give us that presence and comfort to help us in our pain. Please join with me in prayer, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to realize that wholeness is exactly what you want for us in our world, but that you've given us freedom. You've given us the free will to choose whether we want it for ourselves. And you're asking us every day that question: Do you really want to be made whole? Help us, Father, to ask that question, to answer that question, instead of just staying by the pool of whatever it is that doesn't satisfy, but that we keep staying with, thinking it's going to make us whole one day. Help us instead to to decide: Yeah, we want to participate in that plan of healing by choosing to trust you. By choosing to understand that suffering is not something to avoid, but sometimes it's something to embrace, and sometimes it's something to allow to transform and and shape and and draw us closer to you. And Father, as we continue to wrestle with these questions next week and in the weeks to come in in our lifetime, help us to find enough comfort in your presence. And in what you provide to us, to know that you do love us very much. We pray in your son's name, Amen.